Uh, welcome, everybody, to another edition of Launch AMA. Uh, I'm Sam, for those that are here for the first time. I'm the VP of Programs here at Launch. Um, and Launch AMA is a place where you can ask uh, anything and everything to all the folks on our show. So today we have uh, Kelly Huey. Thanks for joining us, Kelly. Great to be here, Sam. So I'm going to pull up your bio because it's so long and I'm going to butcher it. Um, so so let's let's actually go through all the amazing things you've done, right? So so like you're the author of Build Your Own Network, Forging Powerful Build Relationships. Dream Network. Build Your Dream Network. Uh, I already butchered it. Forging powerful okay. relationships in a hyperconnected world, um, and you also host the Build Your Dream Network podcast. So you're a frequent speaker for, and source for networking insights, and you've been lauded from everywhere from Forbes to Fast Company to Business Insider and Inc. as a wow one of the one of the five women changing the world of VC and entrepreneurship, uh, one of the 25 smartest pe- women on Twitter one of the 100 most influential tech women on Twitter, and one of the 10 most well-connected people in New York City's startup scene. Um, and empowering a billion women by 2020 was included on your list. Um, I'm messing this up bad, um, but you're also known as one of 100 most influential global leaders empowering women worldwide. Um, and you used to be a corporate lawyer, as well as an LP investor into emerging tech funds. Um, and your advisor to New Zealand trade and enterprise. I'm going to have to ask you about that separately because uh, the whole New York, Vancouver, New Zealand thing, there, there's got to be a story there. Um, but thank you, Kelly, for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here. Listen, everything happens because of a network, Sam. Everything happens because <laughs> of a network. We're definitely going to talk about that for sure. But just some quick housekeeping for, for those that are listening here live. If you do have any questions, we have a nifty Q&A button. So feel free to just punch them in and I'm going to catch them. Um, so, so Kelly can kind of focus on, on, you know, giving us, giving us answers and giving us value and I'll make sure to bring all your questions right up to her, but just to get everybody started and, and, you know, give some context, um, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, hopefully a lot better job than I was doing. I apologize again for that. Um, and like your journey into uh, entrepreneurship. Yeah. I mean, I started as a corporate attorney, um, at some point moved over into management, uh, some ways, I think the, uh, management roles I had were where sort of the, I'm going to say the grain of the idea of being entrepreneurial, uh, because I would be given these great projects and initiatives and then, you know, handed a stick of gum and a paperclip and told to make them happen. I mean, I think too many people who have been in corporate life understand that one. So, uh, yeah, so I, that, I think that's where that, that idea of your resources and resilience and getting things done when you have, you know, limits. Um, you know, I always get kind of annoyed, Sam, when people are like, think outside the box. I'm like, hell no, think inside the box. How are you going to innovate and create? within the four corners of the limitations that you have um, and not realizing that we could all use more time and more money and more resources, but we don't have them. So how are you going to make it happen with what you've got at hand? Uh, I then left the corporate world because I was offered the opportunity to become the first president of a global business network for women. And then being in that diverse network opened up opportunities that got me involved in the startup community, co-founding a startup accelerator, um, becoming an angel investor, uh, being the interim uh, CMO for an emerging tech company, and then finally going, hold on, there is a thread of common sense and commonality between all of these disparate things. And that's when I wrote my book. That's amazing. So like talking about the book, just for a quick second, and, and we'll dive in and out of that, I think as the hour goes on. But you've built a terrific brand and and really a legacy for as yourself as like kind of like a world class networker. Like, how how did this come about? With like obviously you tied in a bit of bit of you know your work in the corporate world to building an accelerator to investing and things like that. But like, I mean, there are, I'll be frank. There's a couple of people who have done bits and parts of those things. I'm not interviewing them. I'm interviewing you. So so how did that come about? Um lessons throughout my career in terms of building relationships and realizing that uh, how you show up every day, how you treat and engage people every day is a far more powerful way to build the relationships that your ideas, your career, your ambition needs than imagining it as a transactional one and done activity. Uh, and 
frankly, you know, I didn't realize that I had some, you know, secret sauce or some special superpower when it came to networking. Um, other people pointed it out and I kind of flipped it off. I was like, what do you mean? This isn't special. Doesn't everyone do it this way? Uh, <laughs> only to realize that no, no, they don't. Uh, and, uh, you know, listening to my network and getting feedback from them was what ultimately led to writing the book. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, to harp on this a little bit more, like, prior to writing the book, like, were you methodical about how you networked? Or was this kind of just, you know, isn't this what everybody does? And, you know, and, I, and I'm going to quote you a little bit from, from past interviews yeah. or part of your book, like, you know, being human and things like that, right? Like, were you like, oh, other people don't do this. Let me write this down. And that's how kind of like the book came about. Or, or was there like actually like a step one, two, three, four, five that you actually go through in your, your head? Well, I mean, when I think about where the, my grains of the idea for me on networking came about, started when I was an attorney. Mm -hmm. Because, and you know, and maybe this is a really, uh, uh, somewhere where the entrepreneurs will really relate to this. As an attorney, the way I was successful was A, doing the work, but I also had to build relationships. If you just did build relationships, you didn't do the work. If you just did the work, no one, you know, like it's like ideas without a network. Where do they go? Mm, they stay in the garage, right? Uh, so it was like, all right, I have to do both of these things, but both of these things demand time. Right. So how can I do this when I am time constrained? And so this is where I came up and I think just intuitively from being this young attorney of, right, what are the things I do every day in my job that connects me with other people? So this is like an efficiency. So that the things I'm already doing, how can I do them in a way that builds relationships? So think about how you send an email, how you leave a voicemail or a text uh, you know, do you recognize a birthday? What's on your email signature line? Uh, you know, what's on your LinkedIn profile? Like, what's on your invoice? How do you like, how do you respond to people? All right, maybe you've got a small team. How are they doing all of those things? And those kind of interactions can be as effective or maybe even more effective in showing who you are, showing the type of character you are and your consistency, um, the qualities that, you know, make you maybe a decent lawyer to work with or a really great founder to work with, um, those things matter. And so that's where I think when, um, when I really was sort of set back, you know, obviously years later to write Build Your Dream Network and people would ask me, where did the idea start? Like, where did your ideas on networking start? I'm like, it really, initially the grain of the idea was back then. So that's like 1991. Um, so, but I think for anyone, because when we think about networking, we have such a, a context that we think about it in, in terms of schmoozing with strangers. And we think of it as that kind of one and done activity rather than saying, right, no, no, hold on. Relationships are built on trust. Trust is only built over time. So think about all the tiny trust points that you have day in and day out and use them effectively. Mm -hmm. That's that's super impactful. So to to make it practical and 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 you know go really out of meta in this. Obviously, the companies that are listening here are are all founders. Um, most likely, if you're listening on a podcast later, you're probably thinking of starting your own thing or you're already doing your own thing. Um, so specifically for for founders, I'm I'm gonna stereotype for a second and maybe insult a couple of people, but like I see two types of founders, right? There's the types that we we know as the mouthpiece. They're they're they go in and they shake hands. Well, in in a COVID world, they bump elbows or or whatever. Um, and and you know they're they're constantly building relationships or selling something or talking about something, right? There's there's that type A of founder, and then there's type B of founder who really enjoys putting their head down and and working and and hiding in behind their screen or their office or, or wherever right what what it would be ideal if if it was one person right like i'm not, let's not talk about splitting roles or something like that and i really believe it, this might be my opinion but even regardless if you're the technical co-founder or you're the sales co-founder or whatever like i think you need a bit of both in either way it doesn't matter what your role is per se but but like how do, how do you recommend someone that that would rather just put their head down and work to go out a little bit and then and maybe the reverse as well 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's deal with the person who's behind the computer screen mm -hmm. all the time. You can build effective relationships without having to be uh, the social butterfly. Mm -hmm. uh, what I discovered in writing my book and the research is that extroverts aren't necessarily the best network builders. Mm -hmm. They may be good at the gift of the gab. They may be good at working a room in terms of talking to a lot of people, but that doesn't necessarily translate into a relationship that does not necessarily translate into a sale. It could just be someone who's having a good time. So it is not the only way to build a relationship, um, being focused on other people. Um, and one of the things I do want to come back to at some point, we, we need to talk about like who in terms of founders they're, they're mm -hmm. focusing their energy on uh, initially, particularly when they're new and in a new market, who they're building relationships with. So, you know, if you are the type of person who is more reserved or quiet or whatever, you know, you got to think about, okay, what are the conversations? What are the things you can do to build relationships from behind your computer screen? Right? Can you spend 10 or 15 minutes a day, you know, going onto social media sites and seeing where, you know, people in your community are doing things and can you comment on that? Um, do you have a newsletter that maybe you send out? Do you have an, an email update that you send to those who are interested in what your company does or, you know, your move to Vancouver? Like, do you, do you send those kind of updates? Uh, because those are the kinds of things that are part of your networking arsenal uh, in terms of showing who you are, telling people what you're up to. So even behind the screen, you can be doing those kinds of things. Um, what I want to sort of point out in terms of, you know, the busy founder who likes to be out there and visible in the world, that's where I'm like, yes, and what's the signal you're sending to your network if you're always out there and highly visible? And what are you out there and being highly visible in? Because there's too many investors that I know that depending on the stage of your company, that can be a red flag. In the sense that, like, who, who's minding the who's minding the kids back at the shop? <laughs> Fair. Who's building the company? If you're out there being like, I'm being the founder, and I'm out there talking about being a founder, and I'm out there meeting people because I'm the founder. There's a lot of investors. That's just bad signaling to your network. So you really, I think, at any point, regardless of personality type, you really do need to think about why you need to do these things because they're critical people aren't going to show up for you just because you say you need them uh, and i think you need to say all right how what's the impression and who am i building a relationship with when i am out there being highly visible right so perfect along those same lines of that so lee's here asking and he's saying well building networks is one thing but as you've mentioned fostering relationships takes time and energy often with benefits or potential benefits coming years or months down the road. Um, how do you identify which relationships are worth investing time or energy in? And when do you choose not to invest in terms of your time? Uh, well, I think that in terms of relationships to invest in, I look at values. Who's aligned with you in values? And that has nothing to do with a job title. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, that, that's the short answer on this. The, the bigger answer is you never know. Your greatest next opportunity could come because of an intern. You could be barking muckety muck up, you know, to some VC who ignores you. But you're thinking, oh, that person's powerful. Like you don't know. So that's why I sort of say the values part. The good news is because of the tools we have now, AKA the internet, you can do things to maintain relationships and have that top of mind that don't take a lot of time versus you know, back in the day, when I'm saying back in the day, I'm talking way back in the day. <laughs> 
you know, when you think about before social media sites, um, when you think what we were had was, you know, business cards and asking people for, you know, a coffee date or a lunch, um, that's really time restrictive um, and location restrictive. Instead, now you have the ability because of a comment, maybe a retweet, your newsletter, you've got all sorts of ways to gather information, stay top of mind, find reasons to connect with people. They have multiple ways to assess who are you as opposed to you know, someone they want to do business with, someone they want to get to know better. Um, and you have the ability to do the same. So in terms of knowing who's going to be the best, there's, there's not like a mm, whatever, except for your values. Like you can't just think, oh, right, they're powerful or, oh, they're, you know, mm-hmm. oh, they're in venture. They may go off to a, you know, an ashram tomorrow and become a yogi. It's like, who knows? <laughs> there, there's actually a funny story about that because I met Ray, um, Ray's the CEO of oh, Ray just popped on. Great. Now I get to tell this story. Um, I, met Ray, I met Ray in, in 2010, 2011, and we were both working at an accelerator called Wavefront. I don't know if you're familiar with that, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, but, but we were there. I was working for a different company. Ray was the guy in the corner working on, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, whatever, a fashion app. Um, and so, so he was like Ray, the fashion app guy. He wasn't Ray CEO of Launch Academy. He wasn't Ray CEO of like Launch Ventures and all these right. different companies and stuff like that. He was working on a fashion app with a, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say it, not very little fashion sense. Um, so, so, um, yeah, so that's how I kind of met him, but because he was there so often, like, you know, we, we got to know each other, you know, I'd give him some daps and make some small talk now and then. And I mean, it, it changed my life, right? Like it changed my career. I've been here for six years. Um, so, so like, I, I know what Lee is asking. I'm going to stop you there some, cause you're also hitting on a really important thing. We get caught in a mindset of networking that we're, we're networking up the food chain to someone more important rather than looking at it in this 360 possibility, which is something I've always done, but I think more people can relate to it now because you can start a company at any age and you know all that kind of good stuff. But one of the networks I find universally that founders ignore to their peril are their peers. And they're always looking for someone superior to give information rather than understanding at this stage of growing your company, you should be talking to your peers because they are living and breathing experience. And they can tell you, quit barking up that tree with that venture capitalist. That person does this every time. They show a lot of uh, you know initial interest and then they go cold and you're gonna waste the next six months thinking that they're interested. That venture capitalist is not going to tell you that, but your peer can because maybe they lived through it and they knew someone who lived through that. Or maybe they've already, um, you know, kind of stumbled over the 49th parallel and, you know, tried to get their products into the U.S. And they've got some really valid lessons from doing that recently versus someone who did it 25 years ago in a different market conditions and different products. So that peer network is hyper critical. And pretty much every founder I meet ignores that one. Why, why do you think that is? Like, why do founders often ignore or that aspect of, of networking? Well, I think everybody pretty much does. Uh, I think there's a strange sense of competition rather than thinking this could be helpful. And again, this um, old outdated um, attitude of who is important in a network. And, and so kind of try to wrap around back to these questions. I think I, I know what he's getting at because, you know, we're talking about, obviously, if you're ignoring positions, you're ignoring, in, you know, you're carrying around your 360 network. I think very quickly it can get overwhelming, right? Like you're like, mm-hmm. I need to spend so much time with every single person that I meet for the next X days, whatever. Um, from a practical perspective, how do you kind of moderate that while obviously you you have your duties as, as a founder, you're, you're building you're building your business, you're building product, you have, maybe you have staff or contractors to, to maintain relationships yep. with. Like, how do you balance that, everything that goes on? Right. Prioritize, right? So first of all, I think sort of make networking part of your operational, you know, like, like it's, not, it's like making it part of your operations in mm-hmm. the sense that 
your and you and your team, right? Because guess what? Your next investor or your breakthrough in a market could come from, you know, one of your, you know, technical co-founders who's got their head in the screen all the time. Make it everybody's job to understand that all of our networks have value and can be brought to bear on growing this company. Um, so operationalize it. And by that, I mean, what's on everyone's email signature line? What's on everyone's LinkedIn profile? Um, you know, does everyone have the talking points of what we're doing now? Do we have a, a regular update that goes out to the people who care about our startup uh, and our company and what we're doing? Um, and I think that's particularly important if you've come from another market because you have an existing network and your existing network has networks. And they may not seem to be helpful to you until they tell you that they know also, oh, right, did I tell you? I've got all these cousins in Chicago and they're in the same industry and they could help you. I mean, that's the kind of thing that gets unearthed because you're regularly staying in touch with people. So create that kind of networking kind of operation mindset. I'm in New York in case anyone wondered as we listen to sirens come wandering by. Um, then the other thing I would say is in terms of things that um, take your time, like I need to jump on a Zoom or, oh, there's a socially distance speed networking event with some venture capitalists and I got to go to, you know, or there's a meetup that I've got to get on, you know, online for. For any of those things that are those kind of time consuming, major time consuming networking um, obligations. I want you to create a filter that's, as I refer to it in my book, create your why filter so that you understand why you're saying yes to things, when you should be saying no, why you're, you know, what you're trying to achieve. Um, if, for example, um, you're looking to, okay, so maybe your why right now for networking is you want to meet some investors. That may be why you say yes to attending a Zoom where a VC is speaking, because you got to figure out what their personality is. You don't need to introduce yourself. You don't need to do a whole lot of other stuff. You're there to gather information. It also is if someone says, oh, look, there's a meetup with this VC, and you're like, they're not on my list. And by the way, their fund invests in fashion tech, and I'm in educational technology, I can say no and keep my head down doing my work. So create that filter so that you understand how a, a time consuming networking obligation, how and where it like fits into what it is you're trying to achieve right now. Because otherwise you can make yourself absolutely crazy with the volume of distractions that take you away from your business. For sure. I, I really love that because it, it's about, it's, it's methodical and it, it's, it's practical, right? Like I, I'm not going to lie. Like I've been in jobs in the past where, where I've been thrown in room and, and my job is like, Hey, get three business cards. I mean, that that's, that's a North star of sorts, but like, why? Like who, like, right. what, what that, am I going to do with it? It can happen if you're in the right room. And there's an mm. example, you know, in story in my, um, my book on that, but generally that idea of going into a room and getting certain number of business cards or leaving with certain contacts, I just, I, I call BS on that, you know? Mm. Um, what you really need to understand is, is, you know, how you're making wise choices. And what I find, Sam, when people think about networking, they rush to the activity. Oh, let me go and sign up. Let me go and do, let me ask that person for a coffee date. Let me go and, you know, do this. And I'm like, time out. You got the equation wrong. What is the thing you're trying? What's your goal? What's, what's the outcome? What's your need? What's your challenge? Like, why, why do you need the help of other people? Okay. So what's your goal? Who are the people that you need to connect with to help you resolve this, you know, question? Is that like, who are the people who are going to facilitate an outcome? Because that's how we get things done. Right. Okay. So you got that in mind. The goal, the people, right. Once you know who the people are, you need to connect with. That's when you start thinking about the activity because the activity you undertake has to relate to them. 
So this is where I find, you know, when people would go to conferences and they say, I didn't meet anybody. It's like, yeah, but did you think about who you're, like the concept of your ideal customer as a, as a startup or an emerging tech company, you're always making that customer profile. When you're looking at, if you understand who are the people or the person is you need to connect with, you can think, all right, what are the things they do? Where are the places they are likely to be? So on the business card front, you know, friend of mine who was building a new business unit um, in a new city. She thought about who are the people she was likely to meet. She pinpointed an organization and an event that she was like, I'm pretty sure these people attend this. Bingo, she was right. They did. She showed up at the event because it was a live in-person event. Um, the name tag table was, I'll just put it bluntly, it was a shit show. Because sometimes your networking does not need to be working the room by sitting there trying to shake everybody's hand. You can go and lend a hand and get everyone's business card. So she took over the name tag table and walked out with 80 business leads <laughs> by handing out name tags. But she was in the right room. She was pretty sure that this organization, the membership, was the type of people she wanted to be selling her services to. So she did that research and the first event she went to, she was really there just to check it out mm -hmm. um, and see if her instincts were right. But you know, she saw that there was also the opportunity to lend a hand and she figured, I'm gonna even get better insights on whether this is the right organization for me to devote more time to in the future by taking on this task of handing out right. name tags. Right. And I think that's a really good example of, of, you know, giving first. And then I think, I think she, she got plenty from, from that experience. Um, but on that kind of subject of, of giving and asking, I think some people are really good at, at giving and, and just providing value to, to any, any place they're in community, et cetera, but have a lot of trouble asking. And then on the reverse, I think these are the parts of networking that we don't necessarily like are those folks that constantly ask, but then when you need something from them, crickets right so so like how what what's a good balance and i think balance is a topic that we keep coming back to but between like how, when do you know when to ask for things versus you know giving things like is, is there is there any method method around that kind of madness or does it depend on personality um so i think the biggest networking gives that everyone because i think we can get too caught up in the yeah. equality of the equation and it goes back again i think sam when we think about networking people are like oh sam made an introduction for me mm -hmm. i need to make an introduction for him like we think about it in kind that way about it like, like buying dinners <laughs> yeah like it's like no 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 yeah exactly if someone buys you a beer you should buy them the next round right like that's <laughs> yeah. that, okay but in networking i think our networking give um is being prepared, doing your homework, understanding why you're engaging in a networking activity, why you are seeking somebody out for their guidance or advice. I think your networking a give is respecting their time um, and acknowledging the advice, the guidance um, that they've given you and keeping them informed on what you do with that. I think your networking give is clarity on what it is that you're after you know um you know and why i say that is um you know i've had people say oh i want to tell you about my new job and then the next thing i know i'm on a zoom with them and the person they're working for and they're trying to sell me something oh yeah um you know or i've had people reach out to me and say oh i just like to talk i'm like i you know the nice canadian because you know i grew up on the west coast of canada i turned new yorker so fast when that happens. <laughs> I'm like, you know, what the do you need? Like, tell me <laughs> what you need, right? So I think some of this networking give, and I'd say this as, as um, for founders, is like, keep those things in mind. You want busy people to help you respect their time, be very clear on what you're seeking from them, and thank them and follow up with them when they give you advice. Rinse and repeat, do that again. You should, in terms of making an ask, you should always have like what is like clarity on what it is that you're seeking right now. And you should be willing to share it with people because if you're showing up and you are the type of person other people wanna help, well, 
give them a reason to want to help you. Let me, let me give a story that puts it in a really good, kind of good context um, and is a simple one to understand. A friend of mine who is in the wealth management business, his personal trainer asked him, hey, how are things going? What's going on? Now, most of us, other than, you know, how do I lose the, you know, the COVID roll around my waist, uh, you know, you're not, you know, in terms of what kind of conversation you're going to have with a personal trainer, like, okay, but this isn't, how are things going? What's happening with your business? That's the initiation of, you know, a networking give and take. Mm. And so my friend said, well, here's what's going on at work. And he described a very specific thing he was trying to achieve. And the personal trainer listened intently and said, I think I might have another client who could help you. And lo and behold, the personal trainer did. The personal trainer could have said, whoa, that sounds like a big goal. Like they could have ended in a different way. This one had an unexpected and quite desirable outcome. Mm -hmm. But the point is like, have that clarity on what's going on, be willing to talk about that with other people. And at the same time, invite the same conversations and the same listening when, so when somebody else, you know, you ask the question to somebody else, hey, what's going on with you, right? Like use those opportunities. So. There's where I sort of think on that, that kind of that give and take. The biggest thing is if it is someone who goes out of their way to do something for you, give you advice, make time, it's really critical not just to follow up and say, hey, thanks, but then to say to them, you know, at some point in the future, you know that advice you gave me? This is what I've done with it. Or you know the introduction you made? here's what happened and I landed the sale. Someone who is, you know, you think about those, these critical people in your network who have the power and the ability, more importantly, to open doors and make things happen. They're sort of their, their get, what they want in return in this networking exchange is just to be informed. People don't wanna find out after the fact that you landed that big customer in the big sale and they were the ones that made the introduction. They don't want to hear after the fact. Mm -hmm. They want you to say, hey, by the way, it's coming out in, you know, the newsletter tomorrow. We, we landed that, you know, that customer, that, you know, line of funding. And it was because you made this introduction. Like you need to keep them in the loop. And that's what makes relationships sticky and makes people want to do more for you. That's awesome. So I hope listeners caught that and clip it if, if you wanted to listen back to it again. Um, one of the things you mentioned, I think it was really, really, well, it's funny, but, but you talked about, you know, being, being Canadian and, and, you know, the, the culture there versus being a New Yorker, which is obviously, I think you implied a little bit different. Um, what role does culture play in it? Because I've been in business, business, uh, meetings before, right. Where, where like, it is important to have that small talk. It's important to build rapport where the first 30, 45 minutes, we're not talking about like, why, why am I here? And why are you here? What do you want? Et cetera. Right. Whereas, you know, in a different context where, where time is more valued, um, it's a lot about, you know, get to the point. Right. Um, right. so, so how, you know, if you're going in cold and you don't quite understand the pulse of maybe a community or, or, or the culture yet, how do you kind of, how do you kind of act? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is sort of where we have the benefit of being able to watch and observe, right? Like we're, you know, we have so many people leaving bits and pieces of themselves on the internet between blogs and interviews and video that you can start to kind of get an idea of who's this person you're going to be meeting. This is also where your peers come in handy so that you can say to them, oh, you suggested I belong to this meetup. Tell me more. How do they operate? What's the exchange? Like, how do people interact? You know, like, that's where you sort of ask those questions and you, and, and you do that in advance. Um, this is sometimes why standing back a little bit and watching how things go before you're the first one to dive in to introduce yourself. Like, you know, it's so funny with networking. We're always worried about what we're going to say, Sam. And sometimes it's like, no, how are you going to use your eyes and your ears to take in information before you decide 
what you're going to do and what you're going to speak. Um, when you really are going to go into something cold, I think this is where going into, say it's a meeting, this is where going in with an agenda of items that you want to talk about so that you can look at the other person and say, here's what I was hoping we could cover, or here's the three things I was really wanting to talk with you about. Where would you like to start? Because it gives you a chance and it gives them a chance to signal what's important to them. And because they may say, it's important for me to get to know you. Let's sit down and talk. Where'd you grow up, right? Um, they may say, I want to start with number three. And you're like, okay, they want to just friggin' dive into business. Mm -hmm. So find ways, like if you can't get the information beforehand, I think also too importantly is, you know, make some, you can make some assumptions and generalizations based on where people come from mm -hmm. in terms of um, how they may engage. And you might just say, you know what, I just want to be aware of that, but I'm not going to paint them totally into that corner. So someone could say, oh, Kelly, she's Canadian. This is the way Canadians operate. Mm -hmm. And then look at the fact that I've been lived in New York since 1998. Mm -hmm. I am like a weird ass combination right now. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, but how we, you know, when you could say, oh, well, that's the way the Americans are. It's like, no, 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 this is the way New Yorkers are. And if you're thinking about, particularly founders thinking about coming to the US market, you have to understand the dynamic of markets. And New York operates different than Chicago, than Nashville, than Detroit, San Francisco, right? So um, part of this figuring out how you should behave, how you should engage, it's like simple thing to do would be find the newsletters, find the meetups in the market that is going to be the arrow, like the tip of the arrowhead that you're like the bullseye you're going to, to enter the US market. And even if you're not attending these things, make it part of your networking operations to pay attention to how that community engages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so I, I wanna I wanna recap this because I think over the last ten minutes we've we've captured something really important because because like I think what you've described is in any kind of relationship there. I, so so I want you to kind of add to it as if yeah. those things like there's really three parts. There's the there's the pre-work, which is, you know, setting your goals, um, right. you know, knowing what, knowing your why, um, doing the research of, of, you know, where's the best place to, to find what you're looking for and who to talk to and all that kind of stuff and, and understanding the context, culture, community, all that. There's the actual, the meeting or event or whatever you want to describe it at and making sure that you're, you're listening and reacting and, and hopefully getting the, your expected outcomes. But then the last part is also the follow-up, right? What, mm -hmm. what happened from that story? Right. So, so I, I, you know, feel free to chime in because I, I want to make sure this is captured because I know obviously we've, we've had this awesome conversation, but I want to make sure that, that if people are walking away, this is what they walk away with. Yeah. 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 I mean, that understand that let's hit the stick on the, the follow up and the follow through. That is critical. Um, one of the people I interviewed in my book, when I got her answer, particularly on this point of following up, I had to call her and let her know I needed to edit her answer. Otherwise my book was gonna come in a brown paper package with a parental warning. The number of profanities, busy people who want to help. A lot of busy people don't want anything in return than someone acknowledging that they have given some help and that help has been useful or what happened with it. It, because what you're acknowledging, your, your networking give is you've acknowledged that someone else has spent a lot of time and a lot of effort to build their career or their business to that certain point. And now you get to like scamper faster up the ladder because they're willing to do something for you. And all they want you to do is acknowledge that. So people who fail, fail to follow up, like just know you are now dead in the water with that person going forward. That person who you've now told everyone else, oh my God, they were amazing, they helped and I can't wait, you know what, I'm gonna need to call them again on this. Oh no, no, it will be a silent reply because people are like, I I'm putting my 
years of work and reputation on the line for someone who doesn't even have a little bit of human courtesy and kindness. Whereas that little following up and telling what happened, you will get returns in spades for doing that. That's, that's huge. Um, drawing. I'm thinking about this with never need to interrupt. Like, how hard is that in, with networking? Oh, I'm sorry. Here's some networking tips. Don't be a jerk and thank people and keep them informed. If you just do those two things, you will be head and shoulders above everybody else when it comes to networking. Don't be a jerk is actually on my hashtags of internal. I make sure all, our entire team knows that. People think I'm being rude, but I mean it. <laughs> right, right. Um, no, that's hilarious. Um, along those kind of lines of, of, of following up and things like that, like I want to talk a little bit about our current environment. Um, obviously, you know, COVID's affected everything. Um, mm -hmm. But I think this specific question from the audience is, is more about online networking and kind of comparing and contrasting that with, with yeah. offline working, right? Like, I think we, we all aspire the, the kind of hanging out with people after an event, grabbing a beer, lunch, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, you know, as much as, you know, we're doing this call now and, and, you know, it's really easy because now, now we've broken, you know, geographical barriers, right? We can have this conversation via zoom or whatever, but the, the essence is still being lost, at least from the describer of the person asking this question. So like what else is lost without in-person networking and how can we kind of capture that back in the current environment we're in? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question because I, I think going forward, Sam, the most successful networkers are gonna be amphibious. And by that, I mean, they can equally maintain offline relationships online and they can build, I would say digital first relationships that become offline or become stronger that, you know, it's not the same thing. I think we also, as you said, we all aspire. I think we, we need to check that assumption there are people who have been fundamentally changed because of the last 18 months. And the idea of ever meeting anyone again, other than behind a screen is probably a real reality. Like that key customer you want or that investor you want to talk to, they may be complete utter germaphobes. And now they're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, right? I, so, that idea of, of um, some of that knee-jerk networking reaction to suggest to someone meeting for coffee or like, this is where I really get to like having that clarity on what it is you wanna ask that person and letting them know and understand why, why you understand they are the right person to answer the question is clear because then you can ask them the question and they can decide the mode or methodology or modality of how they're going to get you that answer, whether it's over a socially distant beer or on a Zoom or in an email. So let me just do that. So on this point of virtual networking, I consider virtual the same as, you know, in person, you know, they're both in person. They're both in real life. They are just a different context. So treat online networking the same way you would working a physical room. You know, how do you behave on LinkedIn? That should be like the professional networking environment. You can comment, you know, if you wouldn't say it to someone's face in person, don't say it in a LinkedIn in-mail, right? Um, you know, for me, then, you know, you go over, you've got Clubhouse, you've got great places there to listen and, and, and concentrate on what someone's saying, and then ask that question. You've got all sorts of places to initiate that relationship. Twitter, to me, is the great cocktail party. How are you the type of guest other people want to, you know, come back to? Circle around hashtags of the people that you want to meet, watch and observe, start getting involved in their conversations, see where it goes from there. This Zoom that we're on right now recording this, I know we don't have other people participating, but in terms of seeing their video and whatever else, but this is where you say, right, how do I enter an online conversation? Do I have my video on? Um, how do I use the chat function? One, and I, probably every time I get interviewed, I, I suggest this. If you have not attended ever 
a creative mornings event, I recommend that you do. The way that community behaves offline, in person, physically, is the same way they, they engage online, in real life, digitally. Members, you know, come on for an event. They introduce themselves in the chat. They don't wait for the equivalent of Sam or a launch team member to say, hey, everybody, could you introduce yourself in the chat? They just freaking do it. So if you're entering a Zoom and it's an event, how would you walk into an event? You know, if you were at a big conference, do you go up to everyone that you meet and say, hey, connect with me on LinkedIn. Here's my LinkedIn profile. No. So why would you do that on Zoom? So obnoxious. Instead, you take notes and you see people and you observe. And guess what? Maybe then you go on a meetup on Crowdcast and that person's there again. And then you see them talking about this stuff on Instagram. And then you direct message them and you say, I think we have a lot of the same interests. We seem to be showing up at the same things. It would be great to get to know you better. Like, think of them again. Like, it's just not just an avatar of Kelly, like hanging out on Twitter. Guess what? It is Kelly. So, how can I have use this as a launch point and the starting point for a conversation rather than, you know, treating it as this sort of other um, sort of networking space that has these other rules? Bring your humanity, bring your human skills, treat online just as you would if you were meeting someone offline. Mm -hmm. For sure. And to get really kind of meta about this, I mean, we, we let's, let's circle back to the peer to peer network, right? Uh -huh. Because, because we, we are currently in a room full of, full of peers, full of founders. Um, let's, let's say you're amongst the community right now. What, what ought you to be doing? And, and let's say you're doing nothing right now. You haven't done anything yet. You, you talked to Sam a couple of times, you showed up here. Um, other than that, nothing, right? You don't talk to the people in Slack. You're not emailing or setting up meetings with your peers. What, what would you do first? I would say you should bash yourself on the head and change your behavior. <laughs> <laughs> Or, you know, you could buy a copy of my book in hardcover and hit yourself with it. <laughs> um, so seriously, like, what are you doing? You got these great resources and you're missing the opportunity. One of the things I used to do with a group of women, I, and I took the initiative to do this, and I would send an email every Monday. And I said, I'd say to people, what do you need? What do you need? Who needs what? Who, who needs what this week? How can we help you? Um, and everyone would say, oh, like, here's like one thing so that who knows, maybe one of us, you know, knew someone that they wanted to meet, or maybe one of us, uh, you know, or all of us could, you know, if someone was like, oh, I've got an event on Thursday, could you retweet this, you know, here's the link. Well, yeah, I can go in and do that, right? Um, so this is where having kind of that initiative and understanding that, you know, helping people in little ways, like, can lead to big things. Um, so, you know, maybe in your Slack channel, you have a right every Monday, everyone jump in and say, you know, hey, what do you what do you need and responsibility of everybody else to read this and, and say, great, where can I help? Where can I help? I've done this in, in in person events where I've had everyone say hyper specific right here, right now, what do you need? What's one thing that can help move your business forward? And you're not allowed to ask for money because you're you know, you might say, I want to meet this, I mean, this specific investor for these reasons, but no, like, oh, you know, I'm trying to find some investors. You can't do that yet. You have to be really hyper-specific. And I've had people who, who then, so we've done this in a live event, have every single founder do that. And then we step back and everybody, all the founders now, you have to go and read everybody else's sticky note and see where you can help. How can you add, how can you add value? Because guess what? You can. And you probably know more people and have more ways that you can bring something to bear to help somebody else. And guess what? They have the same. So, um, you know, if you don't have that in one of your Slack channels, I'd say get in. Awesome. So we had a great conversation here. I just have one last question. So from the perspective of someone listening to our conversation here, what would you do if you wanted to network with Kelly, with yourself, right? How can they reach out to you and start a meaningful conversation or a relationship or, or as far as they want to take it? Like, how would you do that if you were trying to meet you? Well, fortunately, I put a lot of information out there. 
So I would say, you know, follow my social profiles, you know, read what I have to say, put in the time before you reach out. Um, and when you reach out, reach out with a question that, you know, you haven't found the answer to. Um, because if you can find the answer to a question for me on the internet, then there's a better question you could be asking me. Awesome. And, I, and I'd say that applies for a lot of people. Yeah. And your Twitter is at J-K-H-O-E-Y, J-K Hui. Yep. Uh, that's, that's that. And my website, J-K-E-L-L-Y-H-O-E-Y.co. Everything is there. I'm on LinkedIn, all those places. So, yeah. Perfect. Really appreciate it. And, and I think one announcement that I have that, that listeners both, both live and later haven't heard about is, you know, this conversation, these conversations, our community, we are looking at building a program around that. Um, this is, this is pre press release. If you're listening to this for the first time, like we are looking at making our launchpad community public for, for any company in the world to join. Um, it's in closed beta right now as, as you guys are listening to this. So if you like, if you're here in the community, obviously, you know, you're already a part of it, but if you're listening to this publicly and you want to join, um, you can sign up for the waiting list. It's launchacademy.ca slash launchpad. Um, and we are looking at, you know, picking a select couple of people to, to join our community. We want to take this slow because we want to make sure the people in the community are adding value and gaining value, right? We're, we're not interested in just cranking up the numbers to 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. Um, we want to have real relationships with real people in the community. So thank you so much, Kelly, for, for all of your time. Really appreciate it. I hope the, the listeners that are listening live and afterwards um, get a lot of value from this and we'll be back really, really soon uh, next month. And, and for those that are in um, Launchpad already, next week we have a webinar on everybody's favorite topic, referral marketing. Um, so, so that ties in pretty nicely with what we're talking about today, right? We're going to, we're going to get more nitty gritty in it. I think it's going to be, be, be more tools and tips and things like that. Um, but again, really appreciate you, Kelly, and we'll chat real soon. I'll make Thanks. sure to send that follow-up email. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody.